Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. All right. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Student Perspectives, the podcast where we talk with student pharmacists about their unique challenges and opportunities presented throughout their professional journey. My name is Autumn Pienard, and today I will be chatting with Alicia Vora, PGY2 hematology oncology resident at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, Sharnay Ross, Pharmacy Operations Manager at Memorial Hermann in Memorial City, Houston, Texas, and Gina Luchin, Director of the ASHP Sections of Pharmacy Educators and Community Pharmacy Practitioners, about Readjust and Refocus, Experiences with the Phase 2 Match. Thanks for joining me today. To begin, I'm hoping you all can tell me just a little bit about yourself. Where did you go to pharmacy school and what were your career aspirations while in school? Thank you so much for that introduction, Autumn. I went to pharmacy school at Florida A&M University College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences in Tallahassee, Florida. When I started pharmacy school, I knew I wanted to do a residency. It wasn't until my P4 year that I decided to do a residency in admin. So I completed a PGY1, PGY2 health system pharmacy administration residency program at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. Um, That was also coupled with a master's in healthcare administration. So when I went into my P4 year, I started looking at residency programs and administration was something that I was drawn to. That's what I always wanted to progress to be a leader within pharmacy school and completing a residency would prepare me for that um, right off the residency program. Thank you so much, Sharnay. Alicia, what about you? Yeah, thank you, Autumn. Um, So I am originally from Michigan and grew up there and went to undergrad there. And then for pharmacy school, I moved to San Francisco to go to UCSF. So when I went to pharmacy school, I was not completely sure what exactly I liked within pharmacy, but through my didactics, volunteer experience, and my APP rotations, I developed a strong interest for psychiatric pharmacy. But I still knew that I wanted to experience what else was out there because I feel like even through the Appy rotations and ippy rotations, there's still so much more to experience and really be exposed to before fully knowing what you like. So I knew that I really wanted to do a residency after to help finalize what I wanted to specialize in or if I wanted to specialize. Thanks so much, Alicia. Gina? I graduated from the University of Kansas School of Pharmacy and I got there my PharmD degree and then I did a PGY1 community-based pharmacy residency at the University of Kansas with Ball's Food Stores, and then later on did an ASHP Executive Fellowship in Association Leadership and Management. I think similar to what Alicia was sharing, I didn't go into pharmacy school having a clear-cut idea of what exactly I wanted to do. I was really open to exploring different career pathways, and I knew there was such a vast opportunity in the different options that you could do as a pharmacist. So I was became heavily involved with professional organizations and um, the SSHP Society. And so I discovered about postgraduate training. So I had my views set on doing a residency, but I was really open to what that would be and tried anything from laboratory, undergraduate, clinical work to internships in outpatient to anything and everything in between. So it was very much a, a work in progress as I was going through school. Thanks so much, everybody. It's great to hear your stories and your backgrounds. And sounds like we have a group who had a lot of variety and interest to speak with us today. So thank you for joining us. 
So next question I have for you all is if you wouldn't mind describing for us your experience with residency interviews and what it was like for you in the phase one match. Whoever would like to start with that is welcome to jump in. I can start us off on that. As I mentioned earlier, this is Gina. I spent a lot of time exploring different career paths and that really bled into how I chose my API rotation. So I wanted a good variety of, of different opportunities leading up to the match, knowing that I wanted to kind of establish a potential area of interest before it came to decision time, which did create some anxiety. And I know a lot of people are in, in an indecisive phase at first. But during my November rotation, I remember I was exposed to pharmacy leadership and administration. So this was very eye-opening for me. It was very different than what I had seen previously. So it really helped narrow my focus a little bit more on that leadership component and the administrative work. So I started exploring HSPAL programs. And while I was not geographically constrained, I was looking for really rigorous programs. And then I also did, I was mindful of trying to clump together geographic areas for interviewing processes and the time that it would take to interview. So that was kind of part of the strategy that I experienced, but I also did keep an open mind. At this point, too, I wanted to share two key mistakes, so to speak, or lessons learned that I made from my phase one experience. The first thing was that as I narrowed my focus into HSPAL programs, I didn't really make room for any general PGY1 programs. So I was really limiting myself statistically for how many positions I could match for. So most HSBL programs have one or two residents, and so you're really limited in, in your chances, even if you're a great candidate. So if you limit yourself with a few programs and then those programs only have a few spots, you're really just cornering yourself in a way. And then the other thing, the other mistake I made is I was really interested in kind of seeing outside the state that I had been trained for, and so I wanted to explore a variety of practice. And that led me to not applying to almost any local programs where my network was. So I was applying to programs that have very few positions in states that I had not been communicating with before or didn't have any connections to. So for those of you who are kind of thinking, either going into phase one, thinking about your strategy or coming out of phase one and into phase two, that potentially could be a pitfall to not matching the first time around. Those are some great pieces of advice, Gina. Thank you for sharing that. Charnay? Yeah, Gina, I appreciate you mentioning some mistakes that you made with phase one. And uh, the mindset that I had going into phase one when applying to admin programs was choosing programs that had two to four residents, um, thinking that would increase my chances of matching with that program, but not realizing that programs that have two to four admin residents are your very large like academic medical centers that are very competitive so looking at your um, candidacy and whether you're a competitive applicant for these programs, not to downplay your uh, application, but knowing that programs that are at large active medical centers are very competitive and they get a lot of applicants as well. So I applied originally to 10 programs for phase one. I got only two interviews. So when juggling the interviews that I got with my APPE rotations, it wasn't really that challenging for phase one because I only had two interviews. And this was pre-pandemic, so I actually had to fly to my interviews. I did not have any geographic limitations. I applied all over. So looking back for phase one, I would have applied to a variety of programs that had one resident and also continued to apply to programs that had four residents as well. 
when applying for residency programs, I applied to, or at mid-year, I PPS with a lot of programs that also allowed me to narrow down my phase one applications. I think I PPS with like 20 uh, programs at mid-year, which is a big number, but if you think about all of those programs are there in one location, so take advantage, PPS and with a lot of programs. So I wasn't going to physically interview with that many programs. So also remember to take advantage of mid-year. Yeah, that's great advice um, for those of us in our fourth year who are going through it now. I know a lot of us did many, many PPS interviews this past mid-year. Thankfully, they were virtual, which made it a little bit easier with the logistics of it. But great, Alicia. Thank you, Sharnay and Gina. You guys both brought up some really good points. Um, I guess how I went about it was I saw how many residency programs there were, and I think it was just overwhelming. So I tried narrowing it down by focusing on programs that were in four different states or cities that I could see myself living or wanted to be at for my residency career. So either long-term or at least for the next two years. So I looked at those geographical locations and focus on programs that had a psychiatry rotation since at that time, that's where I thought I may have an interest. I wanted to continue to explore that area of pharmacy. I also prioritized things that I was looking for in programs such as teaching and research opportunities, a variety of different rotations since this was still an opportunity for me to expose myself to different areas that I hadn't yet. So that's kind of what I was looking for. And I ended up having seven interviews. And that was honestly a bit of a struggle for me. My interviews were also pre-pandemic. So they were in person. And as I said, I was looking at a few out-of-state places for sure as well. So there was a lot of traveling and it did fall into my general medicine and ambulatory rotations. So it was two of my core, most important rotations. So I remember having to travel to other states, trying to logistically have like geographical locations together. But of course, that's not always possible. So sometimes I was flying across the country and back and, and then having to miss some rotation days. So then going in on weekends to make up for it. So needless to say, it was a lot. And I think I definitely got burnt out a bit. But I think reflecting back, I do acknowledge that I had a decent amount of interviews. So the fact that I didn't match when I look back, I would think that there had to be something there that happened that may have um, affected my ability to match. So it kind of helped me narrow down what I needed to work on in order to improve for next steps, which may be foreshadowing future conversation. (laughs) In terms of the residency programs, that's how I narrow down what I was looking at. And I really just ranked based on how I felt during the interview. If I liked the place, if I liked the people, if I felt comfortable and all that type of stuff, though, I will say it gets, uh, it gets pretty tiring when you're going to a lot of traveling in different places. Did all of you rank all of your, the places you interviewed at during phase one of the match, or were there some programs that uh, you didn't end up ranking in that process? I personally did not rank every program. I think that the fit is very important. All the programs I applied to were stellar as far as the training goes. But I think in some places you walk in and you interview and you can see yourself as part of the team. And in some other places you walk in and you feel that something doesn't quite gel together. Either the chemistry with the people that you're there or even the city or the place that you would be training at. So 
for me, that was equally important as as the logistics and the goals and the quality of the program itself. I did. This is Charnay. I did rank the two programs that I had for phase one. I also ranked them all. Interesting. That's that's really great information. It's wonderful to hear your stories, and I thank you all so much for sharing with us. Moving on to the next set of questions I have for you all, really discussing more of the actual match day for phase one. Can you describe your feelings that day? Kind of what did you feel before, during, or after you received your results, and what was that like for you? I had some anxiety leading up to match day, but I will say going into the residency process, I knew my end goal was getting a residency, and I knew that if I didn't match phase one, I was going to participate in phase two. And I applied to admin programs only for phase one. So my game plan for phase two would have been only apply to you know regular PGY1 programs and then apply for a PGY2 admin at the end of my PGY1 year. The year that I graduated, there were 12 admin programs that were participating in phase two. So for phase two, I only applied to admin programs again. But back to the question, phase one, match day. My piece of advice is to take off the day from your rotation, regardless if the results are positive or negative. I still had to go to rotation and I checked my email right before I walked out the door and I got the terrible news that I did not match and I immediately started bawling, crying. I remember like just sitting on my couch and just like boohoo crying, just tearing up, tearing up, tearing up. So that's another piece of advice is to allow yourself to feel that emotion because it's, dev- it's devastating, it's horrible news, but it's not the end of the world. So allow yourself to feel that emotion. And immediately while I was crying, I started emailing my reference writers. Say, hey, unfortunately, I did, match, I did not match phase one, but I have applied for phase two and I need another letter of recommendation. So another piece of advice is have a game plan going into this process. Because when you're experiencing it, you want to give up. But if you write down your goals in the beginning, which for me, it was to do a residency and admin, I did not give up midway. You know, of course, I experienced that emotion and I went for phase two program. I think, as Sharnay mentioned, obviously, there's a lot of anxiety leading up to that day, right? I mean, you've been working on this goal for four years plus, and many of us are are driven individuals. You really spent a lot of energy and effort trying to really be successful. I did remember I had received the advice of taking the day off for match day, so I had already requested it off, of course, planning to celebrate, (laughs) but I remember, you know, it was early in the morning, of course, you hit refresh on your phone trying to to wait for that email to show up, and when I opened it up, it was was really heartbreaking. I think, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, out of nine programs that I applied to, I got eight interviews, so I, I felt that I had pretty good chances, and I felt that the interviews had gone pretty well, so I was going in my mind through what went wrong. You know, I had the GPA, I had the research, I had the professional involvement, and I was replaying in my head over and over again, what, how did the interviews happen? I felt like I got a good vibe and trying to really figure it out. And I, as I was playing it in my head and and reading the email over and over again, my phone was buzzing with people being excited about matching. Like all your friends are sharing, I matched here, you matched there. So it just felt like there was so much overwhelming emotions going on. Of course, you're happy for them, but you're also pretty sad and devastated going through that process. So 
you know, about the 10th time of feeling bad about myself and, and reading the email and, and understanding that, yes, this was really a reality, I reached out to my mentors. And I think that's a really first key step for anyone who doesn't match. Reach out to your letter writers and also to mentors who you have outside the process who supported you throughout it. For me personally, I felt that my success was also their success and my failure was also their failure. They had supported me, so I didn't want to let them down, but I also knew that they were kind of the key to helping me come through the the next step. And honestly, they were so compassionate and so kind and so supportive. And it was key in really helping you move forward. I will never get one of my mentors was Jeff Little. And he uh, was actually who inspired me to pursue leadership and administration. And when I let him know, he says, don't let this moment define you, you know, keep your head high and keep moving along. And I think that's really what I needed to pull myself out of this and say, okay, you know what? Other people still believe in me. This isn't the end of the world. There's another process to go through. And, you know, your ego is a little bruised, but you're still, you're still moving forward. And then the other thing that I did was I emailed programs that I had interviewed with, and I felt I had really strong interviews and asked if they would be able and available to get on a 30-minute call with me and just chat about what they felt didn't go right. Because in my mind, I felt that those were good interviews that I left feeling like they were successful. So I must have missed something. And I was surprised by how many direct program directors were really willing to do this. And I, I strongly recommend that you do that because they give you insights that maybe you didn't identify before. Or in some instances, they said, you were a great candidate, but you know we had this one candidate who had this and we only had one spot. So it had to be, a decision had to be made. So it also helps you understand that, yes, you know, it wasn't delusional. This was a good interview, but sometimes it is what it is. So that was helpful. And then the last piece of advice that I, I will share and something that helped my mental health a lot is I turned off my social media for a few weeks. And that is because you see a lot of good and bad and and everybody's bombarded with next steps and excitements of moving and, and all these things. And I think you need that mental space for yourself to say, I'm focused. I need to be 100% in. This is a quick process. I really needed to be allow myself to have that breathing space and, and do it on my own pace. So I know this is a, a social media heavy time and, and and there's a time for place for that. But to me, it was important to create that mental space for myself. Those are my three, I guess, stories. Yeah, I would say Charnay and Gina cover that very well. I felt very similarly to them and agree with a lot of their insights. I was leading up to the day, I was obviously very nervous. I was trying to not get my hopes up. And even when I talked to people, when I was talking to people, I would frame it as, you know, I might not match, but if I do, that'd be great. But that being said, I don't think I actually expected the results that I ended up getting. And when I woke up that morning, you know, I was on the West Coast. So by the time I woke up, the email was there. And I remember seeing that and just being absolutely shocked and devastated. And like Charnay, just bawled for a while, really just just thinking back, like exactly what Gina was saying. Why did this happen? I have the leadership. I have the research. I I thought I was doing whatever I could for the last four years for my ultimate goal of trying to match at a residency. And here I have the result that I didn't match. It was a moment in my life where I was sitting there like thinking that I failed. So I think that is a bit tough. And 
like Gina said, everyone else is going through different types of emotions and might be at a really exciting time in their lives. And you're just going through something else. So you're obviously very happy for everyone around you, but it's okay to take the time to process your own emotions as well. I think it's very healthy to take that time to process your emotions because if you're just going to move forward acting like it didn't happen, it just is going to get built and you may not be able to focus on next steps as well. So even though there's a lot going on and phase two is so quick, I think it is important that you let yourself have those emotions and really take time to reflect about how maybe your own goals, maybe is residency the best next step for you? For me, I was able to be upset for a little bit. I didn't go into rotation either. It was for me, it was going to be, yeah, if I match, I'll come in. If I don't match, I won't come in. And I actually didn't think I wasn't going to come in, but I ended up not going in. And then that was when COVID hit. So it turned out the day before match was my last day of rotation ever. What I did was just take that time to process it, let them know I wasn't going to come in. And then I had some time to process, reached out to some of my mentors and faculty members for advice. One of them offered to meet with me and we went over and just reflected like, what is my goal? What is my backup plan? What about just jobs? What about other, other situations? So I really had to reflect on that. And I knew just based on what I was looking for, I definitely did want a residency. And then if I didn't get one, I would look into other options, but I wanted to focus my energy at that time to really try to get that residency because that's what was aligning with my future goals. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I reflected on what what could have gone wrong. And I actually also did what Gina said. I thought about who I could reach out to from my interviews to see where I could improve and maybe if they had any additional insight that I may have completely missed. I remember reaching out to one RPD at a program where we had a great conversation. I felt so comfortable with her. She was just so nice. And then for another one, I reached out to an alumni from my school of pharmacy that I was also interviewing with because she was a resident at that program. So um, if you were able to see anyone that you knew or felt really comfortable with, I think that that is a good thing to do and see if they have any perspective and insight that you may not have thought about and see how they could help. I also arranged mock interviews with my own friends and faculty because I had identified that um, interviews were probably the area that I needed the most help. I had someone else review my application process to see if there was improvement needed there. Um, Really just all around that application process to see what needs to be improved for the the next steps, because I think something really important to note is that phase two is so fast. You have like a day to process your emotions, and then it kind of just starts for the next steps. Well, thank you all so much for sharing. And wonderful advice, things that I hadn't really thought about, you know, reaching out to those programs you interviewed with that you felt like you had a really good interview with them to kind of see how you can improve. I think that's just wonderful advice. Also considering your mental health and your future career goals and how that fits in with your future after that happens. I think that's all really important. And I thank you all so much for sharing that. Well, the next question I did have for you was about if participating in phase two was an automatic decision or did you take time to explore other career options and how did you enter into phase two? I think we've kind of touched on this uh, a little bit already from everyone, but just want to give you an opportunity to share anything else. If you had any other, anything else you wanted to share with the the students. One thing I'd like to point out is that each of us on this panel did reach out to 
our programs that we interviewed for for phase one, and I think that contributed to our success in phase two. If you don't take anything from this podcast episode, if you are not successful with phase one, please reach out to your program that you interviewed with phase one and ask for feedback because that will set you up for success in phase two. A piece of advice that I have for phase two is review the timeline. Uh, Like Alicia stated, the timeline is much quicker than phase one. One thing that that I will say with phase two is that programs will have a deadline that's communicated on the website, but they could potentially close their applications sooner than that deadline. So I would treat phase two as like a rolling application phase and get your application in as soon as you can. If you wait until the last day like you could for phase one, that program may not be accepting applications and they could already be interviewing candidates. So it's a very, very quick process for phase two. Uh, For me, it was an automatic decision to participate in phase two. I had that mindset going in the residency application process and I educated myself on the phase two. So again, it wasn't discouraging. Once I found found out my news for phase one and then seeing the application process for phase two, it wasn't discouraging because I already knew what to expect. I agree with you, Shanae. I think because there is a structured process and you know when can you start reviewing programs, when can you kind of do the next step, you almost immediately get into execution mode. You know, I do this, then I do this, then I do this. For me, similarly to to what was described, I knew I wanted to do a residency phase, not matching in phase one was a hiccup, but it wasn't the end of the road. For me, I knew this was ultimately what I wanted to do. And I would keep trying, even willing to go into the scramble. So I, I was very much committed to the process. However, I will say that I did take a step back and evaluated what kinds of programs I really wanted to do, and then also created a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D. So what happens if I don't match in phase two? What happens if I don't match in the scramble? What happens if I need to go into the job search? What kind of things should I start thinking about? I always like to have a plan. So understanding that my first plan didn't work, I I really needed to have some comfort for myself knowing that it was going to be okay no matter what. And so what I found out through that process is that Originally, I was going for HSPAL programs, and that was still part of the interest potentially for me with leadership, but I was willing to explore and think outside the box and think of opportunities that maybe I hadn't really considered before, programs in my immediate vicinity that weren't exactly what I had in my mind, but were with individuals and people and mentors that I think I could grow. Ultimately, any PGY1 in any setting is going to be a challenging experience. You're going to grow and learn from it. So It may not be the list of 100 stellar things that you had in your mind, but it's still going to prepare you to become an an advanced practitioner and to gain the skills that you need to launch into your career successfully. So, yes, it it definitely helped me recenter and refocus and be a little bit more open to opportunity. But it, it was definitely always with the plan that I was going to pursue training. And I was going to try until the very end. So that was that was very it felt good knowing that going into phase two because it wasn't as much as scary for the next part. As I mentioned, I when I was talking to faculty members and mentors, they did advise to really reflect upon my goals for the future and whether residency was the best pathway for me, if there was alternate pathways to get where I may want to go, and if there was anything else you know, that I might want to do because, you know, it's not just residency. There's so many other options out there. So it's not the path for everyone. And if you do reflect and find that it's not 
okay and it's not worth it for you, then that's completely okay. There's so much out there in pharmacy and not everyone needs to do a residency. For me personally, after I did reflect upon my own personal long-term goals, I did know that residency was the best option for me. So I wanted to focus my efforts on that for the next few weeks since that process goes by pretty fast and then just get to the point of if I didn't match for phase two, then go on to my next steps from there, but really focus all my energy on that phase two at that moment. One thing I've I've heard you all mention a lot already of regarding phase two is just how quick that process is. And, you know, you got to jump right into it. Can you all take just a few moments to kind of describe how that was for you and how you kind of balance that with your appies and, you know, getting closer to graduation and, and going through that process? It was a bit unique for me since I essentially finished appy rotations right when phase one results came because of COVID. So during that time, I was often had time to really dedicate to just making my decision and then applying and then doing my interviews and preparing for interviews since that was what I reflected upon as being an area improvement for me and then um, figuring out my ranking and all that. So I think the biggest things for to note I are essentially, I think it's like later that day of phase one results, all the phase two programs get released. So then you can see what programs are out there. So after I didn't match, one of the mentors that I talked to um, gave me the advice that if you are planning on applying to a program, you should email them and let them know that you're planning on applying so they know to look out for your application, which was something I didn't know before. So I really appreciated that advice and would give that as well. So that way, um, I kind of looked at the different programs, try to figure out where I was applying. Like Sharnay has mentioned, a lot of them are will close after a certain amount of applications. So it really is time sensitive for a lot of them. So really making sure that my application was ready even before that the portal to apply was open. So that once it opens, I was able to submit my applications as soon as I can and then start reaching out to programs, asking them any questions if I had any, since you kind of want those answers as soon as you can. And then just letting them know that my application would be on its way or once it was submitted. And then um, once it's submitted, again, the turnover process is a lot faster. So they'll reach out to you about any interview. Um, It was all virtual because the time was compressed and I guess probably because of COVID, but it was virtual. So I had phone interviews and video interviews and those were lined up and it kind of came as a rolling basis as well. And then once those were over, it was the process of ranking. So as Alicia mentioned, phase two is really similar to phase one when it comes to the operational steps that you need to take, right? So you still need to review programs. You still need to do your research. You still need to apply. You still need to interview. So in that sense, you are prepared because you know what that looks like. You've been through it once before, but it's just on a much more expedited schedule. So you do have a couple of days to put together a game plan. And I would say that first day you're processing things emotionally and then, you know, take half of the morning to cry and do whatever you need to do emotionally and then take the other half of the day to sit down and think about what you want to do next, right? So I would say I found that sending an email to your mentors and letting them know also helps them start to look at programs and reach out to their network by default and see okay, there is a program here that didn't match that might be a good fit for you, or there's another opportunity here that you should think about. And then I also reached out to other individuals and 
those who I regarded highly and had good working relationships that maybe weren't letter writers, but I, I felt could be helpful in this process as well, just so that they can keep an eye out for opportunities and maybe even put a good word for you. Because phase two is a little different in the way that you may not have the same level of candidates in every position. And so a good word goes very far when it comes from someone they trust or when it comes from someone you trust. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is don't let yourself get sloppy because it's a faster process. So you still need to do your research on the programs. You still need to go to those program web pages and understand what that program is like. You also need to make sure that your applications look sharp and Those cover letters are hard to write the first time around and you have three months. The second time around, you have less than two weeks, so you really have to get on it. So I would take one or two close friends or mentors and say, can I send you my application materials to review overnight before I send them? Have someone check your spelling, the fact that the program name is correct, because there's just a lot of details that you can miss. And the more put together your application is, the better your chances of being successful. And then also, please let your API rotation preceptor know that you're going through this process because you're going to need a little bit of extra time to put together applications. You're going to potentially need to interview. Some of the interviews are expedited. So I think phase two is kind of a roll of the dice in a way. Some programs may have a four-hour interview. Some programs will have a virtual eight-hour interview. Some programs will have a one-hour interview. Really, everyone kind of tackles it differently. So you need to be prepared for anything and everything. So let them know. And then be honest with yourself, too. I think it's very tempting to say, I'm just going to take a program just to take a program. But you still have to really go through the motions of telling yourself, would I be happy here? Is this the training that I want to receive? Is this the environment I want to be in? But then also stay positive. Just going through phase two of the match is such a huge testament to your resilience as a person. And so it's something you can utilize in your interviews. You know, there's often questions of, tell me a time when you had to overcome something difficult. And here you are having a live example, being right there going through this difficult phase and yet picking yourself up so quickly and turning around and being excited about an opportunity. So to summarize, take time to yourself, but also create a quick game plan and, and let your network know so that they can support you both by reaching out to others, but also making sure that your application looks really sharp and try to have fun. I mean, you're just expanding, you're meeting more people, you're meeting more programs. There's a certain element of interesting to this whole process. The only thing I have to add to both Alicia and Gina is the program for phase two will release same day as the match day. Um, It releases, I believe, around noon. So reviewing those programs, uh, like they stated, create a game plan. I had more interviews for phase two, and it was a combination between virtual interviews and um, phone interviews, depending on the length, whether it was 30 minutes versus an hour I would take some of those phone calls during rotation. So again, making sure you communicate with your preceptors that you're going through this process because they'll support you. You just have to make sure you communicate in advance. And then don't forget to update your letter of intent. I know that's something that's easy to forget, but you want to make sure you update your application materials because there was something that was missing that just didn't make meet the mark for phase one. So make sure you review your letter of intent, update it, I think for my letter of intent, I added a blurb that spoke to my current experience with phase one. And actually, my RPD is a program that I matched with phase two said that that was something that stood out for my application. A quick process. Thank you so much for all of your advice for those of us who might be 
participating in phase two of the match this year. Let's talk a little bit more about the actual match day for phase two. What were your feelings that day, having already gone through phase one and now you're on to phase two? How did you feel kind of before, during, after you received your results? I think the good news is that you already know the worst case scenario. So there is an element of familiarity with the whole process. Of course, you're nervous because here you are trying again, having put yourself out there and you're coming off of an adrenaline rush of two weeks of of getting everything together really quickly. I was more at peace too with the outcome. I recognized that I did all I could and I was planning to kind of pursue it to the end. I was fortunate. I have to recognize that I did match in phase two, so I didn't have to kind of move beyond that. But I was excited. I was excited to go to the program that I did, to work with the preceptors that I did, and and to really explore the opportunity to get the residency training that I was hoping for. Similar to how I did earlier on, I let my preceptors know, I let my mentors know, I thank them for their support, and they really went above and beyond for me. You recognize how many advocates there are in your life, which is amazing to remember. And so match day the second time around was definitely a lot more pleasant and a lot more of a relief. But even if that weren't the case, I think having that plan and being able to take the failure and and move past it would have been important too. Match day for me, for phase two, I don't remember it as vividly as I remember phase one match day, but I was excited. I still had rotation, so I did not learn my lesson from phase one match day. So I went to rotation. I couldn't focus, but I was super excited, um, looking forward to moving. And so now I was starting to prepare, okay, what do I need to do to make sure I get licensed? Like that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother conversation on getting licensed in a different state that I did pharmacy school. I won't get into that. (laughs) Similarly, I mean, I was very nervous before, just like phase one. I guess there is some part of it where you know that you've done all you can. And because of that, it's kind of like, you know, whatever happens, at least you tried and gave it your all. That being said, I was very fortunate to match phase two. I I knew that the, the statistics there are not always the best, but I was able to match. So of course I was ecstatic. It was like a huge obstacle that I was able to overcome If people don't match, I don't think that that's the end of the world. But for me, this was very exciting news. I couldn't believe it. I was basically in a state of shock, but it was just very exciting. And then knowing your next steps, also the fact that, you know, I'd be moving in a few months, having to get licensed, like Sharnay said, and it's a little bit, a little bit overwhelming because you realize like, oh, that's happening like now, (laughs) like it it just all kind of happens, but it was, it was very exciting. This time of year is just so chaotic and there's so much going on. And to add everything to that, just it's a lot, (laughs) I'm sure. So my next question for you all is, how do you feel like participating in phase two impacted you both personally and professionally moving forward? And I know you've already given so much advice to us and we sincerely appreciate it, but what additional advice would you want to give to current pharmacy students getting ready to go through phase one and possibly phase two of the match? Um, the one word that I would use to describe the impact that this experience has had on me both personally and professionally would be resilience. Resilience is defined as the ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. 
And I continue to apply my experiences through phase one and phase two with my experience with my current role. There are going to be challenges that you face from day to day throughout your life. And it's about your ability to overcome those challenges. As Gina mentioned earlier in the podcast, this moment does not define you. This is only a bump in the road. And once you get to that end goal, you're able to look back and say, wow, I can't believe I went through that and I am where I wanted to end up. Although it might have not have been the straight and narrow plan that you have for yourself, but know that you've been brought these challenges for a reason and you're going to be a better person, a better pharmacist because of it. And uh, one last piece of advice is to never give up. I think the continued theme throughout this podcast is that we've had a plan. We went in through this process with a plan. We knew we were going to do phase two. We had a plan once we got those phase one results. So just remember to have a plan and you got this. You said that beautifully. I think going into the match, it didn't come out the way I wanted it to, or it didn't come out the way I thought of it, especially in phase one. It wasn't the end of the world, right? There is more to you than just that one process and more to you than just that one interview that didn't go well or the match that didn't go well. I will always be grateful for that experience because it really helped me look at my career pathway in a different way. And in a way, it worked out even better than I even imagined from the beginning. I ended up matching to a program that I enjoyed going through and learned a lot. And had it not been from for this one-year program, I wouldn't have explored the association fellowship that I did afterwards. So this is a completely different, unique perspective that I didn't even realize. My trajectory is completely different because what I thought I was going to pursue didn't work out. And if you really look at successful people in pharmacy or even individuals outside of pharmacy who are leaders in the world, it didn't happen because they had one success after another. We are a series of successes and failures in our career. We're going to make good moves. We're going to make bad moves. There's going to be projects that work out and projects that don't work out. And although it's really difficult to face that first bump in the road, it is so critical to developing your strength and to developing a mindset that this is just another, another bump. That is all that it is. It didn't work out. I did my best. I planned it. I tried. And then I'm moving on to something else. So again, keep your head high. Make the best effort that you can. But at the end of the day, don't let yourself be too bummed out by this one failure because it could lead to something even more beautiful than you thought it would be. So use it as an opportunity. I completely echo what Sharnay and Gina have said. As cheesy as it is, I think that this whole journey has shown that everything happens for a reason and for the best. I think that where I ended up being is everything that I was looking for in the program. And it has led me to find what I want to specialize in in my path today. And I could not be more thankful. And I think that it's important to note that this is a situation where you feel like you fail. That's how I felt. But it's important to, instead of focusing on that feeling of failure, to self-reflect and assess the situation to see how things can be improved for the future. And that is the definition of everything that Sharnay and Dina have been saying. Do not give up and resilience. I think these are two main themes that are happening here and can really show the progress that we can make in our lives. 
um, with this resilience. And if we know that this is our goal, then to not give up and really persevere through it. I also feel like this has given me a whole new perspective. I feel prepared to help any students that are in a similar position because I went through it now. And I want to make sure students in this position know if they're in this position, it's going to be okay. This is a bump in the road, like we have mentioned. It's going to seem upsetting. It's going to seem potentially like the world is ending at the moment. But it's important to process your feelings and then take the time and reflect on your goals and then figure out your next steps. And if it's phase two, just figure out how to improve on your previous process for phase one. And most importantly, make sure to utilize your resources like your mentors, your faculty, other peers. ASHP has a lot of resources. Um, There's a lot of things out there and I can guarantee everyone is rooting for your success. Thank you so much, ladies, for sharing your story and offering all the wonderful advice that you have today. That's actually all the time that we have for today. So I want to thank you again, Alicia, Sharnay, and Gina for joining me today to discuss readjust and refocus experiences with the phase two match. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP student resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as targeted materials on career transitions for students, information on residency and research tools. Be sure to also check out the Student Connect community where you can exchange ideas with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Student Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.